Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Sexology, you know, big topic, obviously, 21st century. There's a lot that we could talk about. And that's why I've put some extra additional resources in our City Life app. There is notes on there for today's message. There's also some extra resources because there is so much to say on the topic of sexuality. And as followers of Jesus, how is, are we supposed to live this out in this century? It is definitely there's a lot of questions, a lot of questions, and we need lots of great wisdom to figure this out. And Pastor Mike kicked off this series talking about marriage. You know, it's like you either submit or you die. If you don't know what I'm saying, then you should watch that message. It was great. And Monica, last week, she talked about intimacy. And you know, the value and the power of realizing that we are whole and complete with Christ. We actually don't need another half. There's not some other half of you wandering around on the planet if you are single and you need to find that other half to be a complete human. Not true. Jesus is your completion. So when you show up at the altar, if you get married one day or, or getting married, you are a complete person so that you can complement one another. Yes? Yes. It is so beautiful to be able to do that, to know that you are whole and complete in Christ. And so Monica kind of talked about what sex got to do with it. And this morning, I'm talking about what's love got to do, got to do with it? What's love but a secondhand emotion? I thought I would sing it because if I said it, you would, you would sing it anyways. So I did it for you. You're welcome. And because love has everything to do with it. When it comes to our sexuality and what, what Christ and what God has called us to, it is so connected to his love for us. You know, the Bible is actually God's love story. It's an infallible word. It means it, he has given us all these great tools to be able to live a flourishing life. And part of that is he actually gives us boundaries. He gives us this best way to live, a best, best practice. You've probably heard that before so that you can live out this life in Christ in a flourishing way. And like any good parent, we give boundaries. We give boundaries to our two-year-old. We give boundaries to our 13-year-old. Boundaries are healthy. You know, if I let my two-year-old, it's like, here's 50 bucks. Go buy yourself something nice at the store. I'll see you in a couple hours. I might be called a bad parent. I, I think I might actually lose my children because social services would take them if I continued to do that. It is not a good practice. Uh, what you do with a two-year-old is you say, come here, honey, hold my hand. We're going to cross the street together. Make sure I can see you. Make sure, you know, don't go too far. Come check in with me. A good parent says, I want to be with you. I want to be near you. And you know, every Sunday we say, we want to be with Jesus. We want to become like Jesus. And we want to carry on his mission to the world. 
Well, being with Jesus is about him being our good, good father. Like Pastor Mike said, you know, are we going to trust our God? Are we going to trust that he is good, that he is a good father who's actually set things out, set boundaries out to actually give us the best life, give us the opportunity to walk and to flourish while we are on this planet? My daughter Haley, actually my middle daughter, I have four kids, three daughters, one son, and she was saying to me this week, she was like, you know, I could just walk away from God. And initially, it would feel like I was free. I wouldn't have to think about what I how I dress, what I say, who I hang around with, what I do. It's like, it would just be initially freedom. Freedom as our culture defines it. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. The Disney doctrine, right? It's like, great, I'm free. But she said it wouldn't take long and I would almost crave some kind of order, some kind of boundary, some kind of like relationship to be able to live out this life and not feel like I'm on my own. I need to figure out everything that I need to do. I love, there was a social experiment done at an elementary school where they actually removed the perimeter fence from around the field and the playground area and they were gonna see what these young kids would do. And it was surprising that the kids actually huddled towards the center of the field or up towards the school. Because there's something about boundaries that we crave, that we need to be able to use the full expanse of the space that we have. And that's what a good parent does. And we have a good, good father. This is not just a rule book. It is a love story. It is a love story that says, I want what's best for you. And in the Bible, there's, there's a book of the Bible called James. And James was actually the younger brother of Jesus himself, the Savior of the world. And what's really funny about James is that he actually didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God until he was resurrected which is kind of funny to me, but then you're like, well, siblings, you know, there's sometimes a bit of conflict, tension, whatnot. But I also, if you grew up with Jesus, it's like my older brother, he just actually makes every good choice, like all the time. He just does what's right. So you would think there was something going on because that doesn't happen, in case you're wondering. But James actually wrote... The book, there's a book in the Bible that he wrote was actually for the, the new believers that were scattered around because Stephen, one of their own, was martyred. He was killed for Christ. And because of that, these young believers were like, eh, I'm out of here. So they went in all directions. They scattered around. So imagine in 21st century, it's like, okay, I'm going to Zoom call everybody so that all the believers will have some idea of how to practice this life of following Jesus so that they'd have some kind of teaching because he was a pastor to the apostles, so he wanted to share kind of the wealth of his knowledge, what he had learned being with Christ, being with Jesus, to the young believers. And so that's what the book of James is. Out of the 108 verses, 54 of them are direct commands for believers. So read James. It's pretty straightforward. It's very practical. And um, so we're going to look at James and a little bit of First and Second Corinthians, which are writings of Paul. But the scripture in James I want to start with is James 1, 13 to 15. It says, 
When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. So there's something inside of us that wants to rebel against boundaries. Clicking? No? Um, I just hear the boop, boop. Anyway. We get dragged away by our own evil desires. There's something in us that wants to defy those boundaries, and we don't like the boundaries. And we have a very real enemy as well who appeals to that part of us where it's like we just desire to be good enough and smart enough and, and make, make an impression on this world and, and be someone and be kind of independent and smart and on our own. And we have these desires, like crazy desires, that some of us even don't want to talk about. It's like, why do I feel compelled to want to like, be with that person? Why do I want to have sex with someone? Why do I want to be all over someone? What is that in me? Why do I want to finish the bag of Doritos when I'm not even hungry? <laughs> why, why do I want these things that, that it's like, no, no, why do I want to stay in bed until noon or just not even get up at all? Why do I stay up all night to like beat all the zombies and make it to level 17? Because I must to survive in life. This is so important. Why do I want to drink until I can't think straight or see straight? Why do I want to impress them so badly I will do anything? Why do I want to stop and watch that person getting undressed on that advertisement or those like Netflix things, you know, like it goes through and there's shows that pop up and it's like, why do I get so captivated by that? Why, why, why? I mean, even I thought it was so funny. I bought Oreos this week and it's like, it doesn't say on the package, you know, it's like, your immune system will attack the other cells in your body and this is going to cause a, you know, extreme spike in your sugar, sugar levels and you're going to crash after and feel terrible. It's like, it doesn't say that on the package. It says it's peanut free and trans fat free. It's like, it just wants to uh, make it okay. Let's just make this okay for, for people to consume. And at the core of humans, we are not good. <laughs> Don't you love hearing that? It's like we have a lot of philosophies that want to tell us that follow your heart, right? It's like there is the good at the center. If we can just get rid of all the junk around you, you're a good person. Well, exhibit A, Adam and Eve, like they did not have Netflix or dirty stuff around or like even people or Doritos. They didn't have any of that stuff and they still were driven by their evil desire. They were tempted. They were drawn away from their relationship with God and they sinned. So it's not some magical, oh, if I can get rid of it all, but it's Christ who has made a way that we can actually be born again. You know, a lot of people in our culture say, I was born this way. If I feel this way, this is who I am. Well, yes, you were born that way. We were all born in sin. And guess what? Jesus calls us to be born again. And that's what he wants to call us to. So James 1.15 continues. It says, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, 
great. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Awesome. So, fat, sick, and nearly dead. This is where I stand. It's like that documentary that I watched years ago. It's like, this is where I'm left. But no, this is a love story, remember? This is a good news. This is the gospel. Gospel means it's something that will actually give us freedom within boundaries. Does that sound like, no, that can't be. But that is the incredible act of God, that he would give us boundaries that would actually give us true freedom. So powerful. James goes on to say, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows, but chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be the kind of first fruits of all he created. So he chose to give us birth through the word of truth. It is so powerful. You know, the word was, was God. Do you, know, do you know that the word, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, it, this is like one thing. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So when we get God's word in us, it actually can transform us and lead us in this, this truth, this real freedom that can give us this, this flourishing that we so crave and desire and need in following Christ. I love in John 3, there's this, there's this man named Nicodemus. He's a Pharisee, and he actually wants, he's so perplexed by Jesus. He's so like, oh, I want to know this guy. And so he asks Jesus this question. He says, how can someone be born when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. So there's two birth stories. I love birth stories. I love talking about birth stories. If you want to know my birth stories, you can talk to me after because I will talk about my birth stories us ladies, we love talking about our birth stories. And there are two birth stories here. There is one where we are born of the flesh. Remember, which leads to the sin and death part? Yes. But then Jesus came so that we could be born again. We could be born in Christ, which leads to eternal life. Colossians 2.13 says, when you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us our sins. He actually canceled the written code that was against us and that stood opposed to us, and he actually triumphed over them by the cross. He beat that bondage so that we could have true freedom. And you know, even baptism today, those of you who are getting baptized, or like Monica said, if you haven't been baptized, today can be your day. You know, you can believe and be baptized is what the scripture says to say that, you know what? I am born again. I want a new life in Christ. I want to graft myself into a community that continues to say that the gospel, the good news is our truth. It is our boundary and it is our freedom that we are, are stepping into and aligning with. It says in the Bible, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life 
of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. I just have three quick ways from James to walk in this freedom from the bondage that we experience. And it's just three scriptures, really. Number one, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent. Number two, humbly accept the word planted in you that can save you. And two, don't merely listen to the word, do what it says. So number one, get rid of moral filth. Now again, like I said, it's really hard to get rid of all the moral filth. Does anybody get weary trying to know which way to look when you're walking in the mall? Because, you know, it's like, let's keep the posters PG. I still remember when Jeremy and I moved to um, Sydney, Australia, and we're keeners, you know, it's like we're newbies, and we're there on the beach early in the morning because it's warm to us. And so went and played in the ocean, and then we, we laid on the beach, and it's like we dozed off, and then we get up, and all of a sudden it's like, there's a lot more people here now with a lot less clothing. And you're just like, avert your eyes, but where does one look? It's like, I don't know. And you almost feel that way. It's like, where do I go to actually get away from it? And as followers of Jesus, we do need to identify it and be intentional, again, about putting boundaries out there. But there's also some really filthy areas of our culture like I thought of abortion, you know, something where it's like meant to be the safest place in the world. That's what God designed the womb. And it's the most dangerous right now in our culture. And it's, it's crazy, this, this, this argument and tension between um, people of when you become a person or a human. And secular bioethicists agree that life begins at conception, there's too much G DNA and, and um, genetics to, to argue with that. And yet, we still are like, well, until there's cognitive function, this isn't really a person yet. But then it also ends on the other end of the spectrum when a person loses cognitive function. So how do we become God that says when people should live or die? That's moral filth that we need to be identifying and intentionally being wise and creating boundaries. Pornography, Pastor Mike mentioned it um, in his message on marriage. And truthfully, it's one of those, those things that, that people are confused about. But it's, it, it's, it's a non-confusing area of boundary when it comes to God. Don't allow those things into your home, into your life. I know it's a battle and there are, there are resources to be able to work through that because it's very real it's, and the addiction of it. But your sex life does not get better with pornography. It gets worse. Like Pastor Mike said, oxytocin is a chemical that's meant to bind us to our, our sexual partner. And, and it works the way God designed it, but it's not meant to, to bind to many, many people. And even pornography, it, it actually can deaden us in the sense of, of what we enjoy or the pleasure that we have. And it can be part of the, the, the link in the chain of taking people to a place where they need more and more and more. And that's what leads to even things like human trafficking. One of the worst, worst filthy things I feel like on the planet right now. Sex slavery, where a person can't meet their sexual needs through these different avenues anymore, so they actually buy a five-year-old or a 13-year-old. 
that is moral filth. That is, that is something that God says needs to be abolished and absolutely done with. There is no such thing as ethically sourced pornography. There is always abuse. It leads to violence against um, often the opposite sex. And there's, it's, it's not a safe industry. And if someone tells you it's going to spice up your sex life and marriage, don't allow it in your marriage. Just to say. C.S. Lewis says, people castrate the man and then tell them to be fruitful. It's not the way it works. The Bible's pretty clear in 1 Corinthians 6. It says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. God doesn't want just your insides. He wants your outsides too. We are body, soul, spirit beings. We can't be detached or separated. He wants all of you because he knows that when you draw near to him, when you are with Jesus, you, it is your whole self that is with Jesus, and he wants your whole self. And you actually, uh, uh, opposed to public opinion, can actually live without sex. People have done it and live like flourishing, amazing lives. Some of the documentaries I've read to my, I mean uh, biographies I've read to my kids, these purpose-filled lives that have been fulfilled God's calling, and they've never had sex, really. They lived and died. It's true. But I also would like to say, if you are married, because maybe some, I would say particularly women, not to generalize, but are just like, see, honey, we don't need to have sex. That's not true. So in the Bible, it also says that my husband, Jeremy, he actually has, he has actually part of my body, and I have part of his, and we serve one another in love. This is not abuse, but he actually has part ownership of my body. Like I am meant to give myself to my husband and he's meant to give himself to me. And that is God's design. You can read about it in 1 Corinthians 7, 4 if you want to in your own time. I love what John Mark Comer says. He says, what we do with our sexuality will be our greatest witness to the world. And I will pause right now. If you are getting baptized, I know you don't want to miss the rest of my message but hopefully you can hear it out there. You can go and get your stuff, your change of clothes, and then we're going to have you come in right away. Finishing the thought. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11 says, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immor immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And I feel like all of us have probably landed in there at some point. And that is what some of you were. Isn't that a great word? Were. Because of Christ, it says, but you were washed. 
You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Remember, it's a love story. This isn't like, oh, Dad. It's like, no, he loves you so much that he wants you to walk in relationship with him, have nothing that would separate you from that relationship so that you can flourish For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who has died for them and was raised again. So good. Let that word just speak to your heart. Number two, humbly accept the word planted in you. In humility, we accept this truth. Jesus is not about pride. He actually says that pride comes before fall, that pride will be destroyed. Humility is what God calls us to. We need to humble ourselves because it says in the Bible, he's, Jesus, it's like his grace is sufficient for us in our weakness. And so we actually boast about our weaknesses so that Christ's power can rest upon us. Isn't that powerful? It's like we are meant to actually boast in our weakness. That's hum- humility because Christ's power then can work through us. That word, humbly accept the word planted in you. Well, you gotta get the word planted in you. Has anyone heard of the Through the Word app? Yes, thank you, Elvina. You gotta raise your hand. She's my girl. It is so good. And I want you to get the Through the Word app, and I want you to find one person who you are gonna read one, one book of the Bible with because it is just so amazing. It goes through chapter by chapter, gives you a little bloop bloop of what it means, and then you can talk about it, and you can get that word planted in you, which can save you is what this scripture says. It can save save you a lot of heartache when you know the boundaries. You know, if you've ever tried to jump a chain link fence or a barbed wire fence, it's like, ah, oh, yes, it can save you some of the pain if you know his word and the boundaries. Number three, don't merely listen to the word, do what it says. James 1, to 26 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Have you ever walked by a mirror and done the two-second glance? It's like, oh, yeah, looking good. Okay. And then you head out the door. And then with the opposition to that or the the other side of that is you stand there. Like even set a timer for two minutes. That's a long time to look at yourself. I mean, sometimes teenage girls, maybe not. Sweetie, I love you. I love you. I love you. Anyway, um, but when you look intently into the mirror, it's like, oh, I got some blackheads. I need to deal with that. Man, my skin is really uneven. It's like, I need some hairspray, definitely some tweezers. You know, it's like we, we can see a lot more when we take that time to look intently. And that's what we're meant to do with God's word. It's not just, oh yeah, 
Oh, yeah, that was good. It's actually to look intently into that perfect law where we can find that freedom within boundaries. It's, I, again, I know it blows your mind, but God does that. He blows our mind. But I do need to say, because I've even mentioned some really tough topics today. Like I said, check out some other resources that I've put in the notes for you. But also, there is no, <laughs> there's no second chances with Jesus. It's actually unlimited chances with Jesus. That's the way it works in God's kingdom. There is nothing, there's no number of sins where it's like, oh, she's out. There's none, there's no end to his grace, to his forgiveness. If you've, if you've ever, you know, aborted a child or, or considered it, you're covered, you're forgiven. He just calls us to repent. If you've ever, if you've ever considered having sex with someone who isn't your spouse, you're forgiven, you're loved. When you repent and come before God, he washes us. Remember, that's what he does. He is so good, a good, good father who loves us so desperately. If you've lusted after anything in this world, everyone's hands, he forgives you, he loves you, and he says you are washed. Repent and come to me so that you can be made perfectly new again. And it doesn't matter how many times Christ continues to forgive us and love us. He loves us so much. And he doesn't want anyone who's in this room right now or if you're joining us online, he doesn't want you to leave that, leave that screen or leave this place without knowing him and declaring that he is a good father, that he is your savior. He is the one who rescues you, who gives you healthy boundaries to be able to flourish because he loves you so much. And so I just want you to stand to your feet right now. And we are just going to declare together. We are going to say this prayer together and say that Jesus is that Lord of our lives. And if you've never said this prayer, I want you to just really remember that God does. He does work in our hearts. His Holy Spirit is here. And he can just, just draw you into himself as you decide today to follow him. So you can repeat these words after me. We're all going to pray it together. Jesus, thank you for coming, for making a way for me to be forever with you. Thank you for dying for me, for forgiving me of every sin I have ever committed or will forever commit. Thank you for coming to life again. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to guide me. I want to experience what true freedom is within your good boundaries. I say yes to you. This is my new reality. You are a good, good father. I want to trust you with everything, including my future. Amen. Amen. 
we hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.